Welcome to the Rural Revitalization Network podcast, and I am your host, Pastor Rob Beckett. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Welcome to episode 10 of Rural Revitalization Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about planning and implementing the strategy of church revitalization. And uh, we just want to get right into the, the talk today. And uh, men, we, we must confess and own up to the fact that we are known for trying to assemble and build things without using or reading instructions that come with the product that we just bought. It's a man's right to passage to show the success of our effort without one time consulting the owner's manual, even though there are leftover parts and screws uh, that are left. I believe that they pack extra ones just to throw us off. But our actions show evidence that we think the instructions are for sissies and for wimps. We would never admit it, but we secretly look at the pictures to figure out how to put this thing together in the first place. In church revitalization, many times, uh, pastors and leadership go through the same thing. Men have this need to demonstrate their power, their strength, and their ability to do things on their own without any assistance. It it is part of our nature to be independent and self-reliant. However, when it comes to ministry, this I can do it myself, attitude can be detrimental to our mission success. We should be thanking God that the vision that He has placed in us through our prayerful God through through the prayerful guidance and the mission that He has uh, directed us in does not come without some kind of plan from Him. It is a, a popular saying that God equips the ones that He calls. I believe this, and I believe this statement. I believe God will give you everything you need to fulfill the vision and the mission mission that he has placed in you to complete the task fully. The main thing that he requires of us is obedience. That is one of the hardest things for us to do is to uh, be obedient and sometimes in, in what God has called us to do and when we want to sort of take things in our own hands, um, but we have to, the lesson that I have learned in my ministry experience, though, so far, is that God wants us to develop a plan for the things that he has called us in to do. This is especially true when it comes to church revitalization. It is imperative that we take the time up front to seek God's wisdom and guidance in prayer to develop a strategy that will successfully uh, revitalize the church. The first thing that is needed is developing a strategy for church revitalization is spiritual mapping. Spiritual mapping is the process of identifying the spiritual forces at work in a given geographical area. This can be done through research or surveys or interviews and even prayer walking. After the spiritual mapping process is complete, the next step is to develop a strategy. 
This strategy should be created with the end goal in mind, which is to see people saved, healed, and set free from the bondage of sin. The strategy should also be flexible enough to adopt to adapt to the ever-changing spiritual landscape that is around you. Once the strategy is in place, the next step is to put it into action. This is where the rubber meets the road. It is important to remember that we are not alone in this process. God will equip us with everything we need to see the strategy through to completion. All too often, we as men try to go about things on our own without consulting the instructions or asking for help. This can be a recipe for disaster. When it comes to church revitalization, we must humble ourselves and seek God's wisdom and guidance. He will provide us with everything we need to succeed. Obeying God's plan for church revitalization will result in seeing people saved, healed, and set free from the bondage of sin. This is the ultimate goal. Anything less is unacceptable. So, as servants of of Jesus Christ the King, the servant carries out the master's will. Jesus is the master. We are the servants. The servant doesn't tell the master what to do. The servant doesn't choose which task to perform for the master, nor does the servant suggest days or times when it would be convenient to serve the master. The servant's function is to follow instructions. The master, on the other hand, gives directions. The master doesn't doesn't tell the servant to develop a vision that will guide the master. The master is the one with the vision, and the servant's task is to help fulfill the master's purpose. We are the servants. God is the master. We tend to try to reverse this. God's revelation of himself, his purposes, and his ways depends directly upon our obedience. He may not reveal today his intentions for the next five years, but he will tell us what our next step should be. As we respond to God's revelation, we will accomplish what he desires. He will be the one who receives the glory, and we will be used to fulfill his plans. The role of a servant is not glorious. However, it is vital. The work of a servant is often hard, menial, and despised. But the servant does not complain because he knows that his work is essential to the master's purpose. The servant also knows that the master is good and that he can be trusted. The servant's attitude should be this. I am here to serve. I will do what the master tells me to do. I may not always understand why I'm doing it, but I know that the master knows best. I trust the master. And I trust Jesus. When we have this attitude, we will be able to fulfill the mission that God has given us. We will be able to uh, obey his instructions, even when we don't understand them. We will be able to trust him, even when things are difficult. And we will be able to give him the glory because we know that it is his that is due. 
in realizing that the church is unhealthy is one of the next steps of the process of implementing the, the strategy of a church. And we have to realize that, that the church that needs revitalization is not healthy and needs help. I know that it seems like a no-brainer, but there are too many churches that want to be and do the healthy church things without acknowledging that they are sick and need a physician desperately. Revitalization is steering a church from the unhealthy choices and lack of discipline to a church that is chasing after Jesus and leading lost people to the kingdom. This is what matters. Nothing that your church does matters as far as Sunday school, children's programs, outreach, or even overseas missions if it does not work towards bringing people into the kingdom. Unhealthy churches are me-centered and not kingdom-centered. To take a church that is sick and turn it into a healthy church takes purposeful work with a goal in view and a reason for being and doing. Having a strategy gives you a roadmap to follow. It gives you something to look back on to see if you're making progress or if you need to make any changes along the way. The first step in developing a strategy for your church is to develop what is called a SWOT analysis. S-W-O-T. A SWOT analysis is a tool that is used to identify the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and threats of an organization or a church. This can be done for your church as a whole or on a ministry level. Uh, it is important to understand that a SWOT analysis is not developed to find solutions to your problems, but it is rather to identify what those problems are. The solutions will come as you pray and seek God's wisdom. The first step in doing a SWOT analysis is to develop a list of strengths and weaknesses of your church. This can be done by simply brainstorming with a group of people in your church. You want to be as honest as possible when doing this and not trying to gloss over any problems that may exist. It is important to be realistic about both the good and the bad in your church. Once you, you have identified the strengths and the weaknesses of your church, the next step is to look at the opportunities and the threats that exist in your community. The first part was internal uh, things that you looked at, your strengths and your weaknesses. The, the second part is uh, in the opportunities and threats is the external look, which is into your community. An opportunity is defined as a situation that is favorable for advancement or progress. A threat is defined as a danger or a risk that could lead to harm or negative consequences. When looking at the opportunities and the threats in your community, you want to be as specific as possible. This can be done by looking at things like the demographics of your community, the socioeconomic conditions of your community, 
and the, the competition that exists for the gospel, things that will be in competition against the gospel, uh, the things like sports and extra activities that uh, will compete for families' times and people's time. And that is the things that you need to be looking at. Once you have completed your SWOT analysis, the next step is to develop a strategy. This will involve taking the information that you gather from your SWOT analysis and using it to develop a plan of action. The first thing that you need to do is set some goals. These goals should be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Once you have set your goals, the next step is to develop a plan of action. This will involve laying out specific steps that will need to be taken to achieve each and every goal. It is important to remember that a revitalization effort is not a one-time event, but rather it is a journey. There will be ups and downs along the way, and it is important to stay the course as you walk through this process. I encourage you to seek God's wisdom and to lean on Him for your strengths. And then when you have this strategy and the goals laid out, the next thing you need to be is be intentional and then be intentional some more. Success in all areas of life usually come as a result of careful planning and hard work. When it comes to breathing new fire within the church, many are simply carried uh, along by whatever wave happens to pick them up. This leads to churches with little success and smaller amounts of engagement. Although the church leadership of many may choose to support half a dozen random ideas of ministry in half a dozen locations during half a dozen different kinds of ministry, does the congregation even know who these programs or workers are? Does anyone have a connection to their ministry? Are the workers thriving in the ministry they were sent to accomplish? We must be intentional about every aspect of every area that we need to move in. There must be carefully thought followed by even more intentional action. Tony Morgan in his book, The Unstuck Church, says, Plan your work and work your plan. All too often, a church's revitalization strategy develops in isolation, away from the mission and the vision of the church. More with the pastor or at best with the board and everyone else is left out of the discussion. It is rarely run through the lenses of the church's vision and focus. In this, you need uh, you end up with pockets of ministry instead of intentional, thought-out planning. Instead, wouldn't it be better if we approached any revitalization effort in the same way we approach starting a, a youth group or a worship team or a local church plant? With intentionality, creativity, crucial thought, um, and careful planning. If we approach the church revitalization strategy the same way, would we be, be more effective? We would certainly stand a better chance of success and fulfilling what the Lord has revealed to us in the first place. It is my contention 
that the answer is a resounding yes. When we take the time to develop an overall strategy for our church, it should include everyone that God has called and that to be part of the body. It should not be done in isolation, but rather it should be a team effort. In other words, it takes everyone doing their part in order for the church to be revived. So, what are some of the things that you can do to get everyone involved in the process? First of all, you need to pray. I believe that this should be the number one thing on the list. We need to pray for God's wisdom and guidance as we go through this process. Next, we need to communicate. We need to communicate with everyone that the vision and the goal of the church, what the church is. Everyone needs to be on the same page and working towards the same goal. Then we need to get feedback. After you've communicated the vision and goal, get feedback from everyone. See what they think about it and get their input. You may be surprised at some of the great ideas that come from them. And then there is implementation. Once you have prayed, you have communicated, and gotten feedback, it's time to put a plan into action. Don't try to do anything at once. Don't try to do everything at once, but take small steps. Remember, this is a journey, not a destination. So, what should uh, a, strate- a strategic planning should clarify and do for a church? I know that the concept of church, uh, church ministry strategy can sound a bit corporate-esque, but that is the essential component of moving a church from plateau and decline to sustainable health and growth. The question is often asked, why should you work on your ministry strategy and build action plans? There is a very good biblical reason for it. When you make vision uh, actionable, you can empower people in your congregation to do the work of the ministry. When, commu- when communicating the vision, make it plain for everyone to understand and able to replicate easily. Where are we going and how are we going to get there? The win here for this phase of the process is that you define a five-year vision with measurable goals and a clear path forward for action. The focus is on getting you executing and achieving wins in the first 90 days. You go, uh, one thing you go back to, you go back to fundamental uh, biblical truths to clarify your purpose as a church. Answering who we are, starting with scripture and a focused time of prayer, You will reflect on your purpose and the biblical reason and call for why you exist as a church. Number two, explore your ministry's reach today and and its potential based on where God has placed your church. Utilizing all available reports and data on the uh, demographics of your specific community you can clarify exactly who is in your mission field within the full reach of your church. This is the, the mapping that we talked about earlier. Through discussions with your, uh, with your own church's leadership, talking with other churches, 
um, government leaders and school resource uh, counselors, you'll be able to identify uh, who you believe God has called you to reach, what's important to them, and how your church will respond. Number three, build your discipleship path. Find common language to answer the question, what is a disciple? As well as a shared understanding of how your church will help people take their next steps towards Christ. This is a crucial part of the strategic plan because it it is one thing to get them in, but helping them to grow is the future life of your church. Number four. Recognize your growth engines and place the right champions for each effort. Determine the three or four core growth engines of your church. The ministries, the events, and or strategies that help you grow your kingdom impact and reach more people. You will need to identify a champion for each growth engine and map out a plan for the next steps to grow your your reach within them. Number five, craft a five-year vision. Your leadership will shape a clear and specific vision for where you believe God is calling the church to be five years from now. Six, identify three to five behaviors. You need to be reflected in your church to drive the culture you are trying to create within your congregation. The leadership of the church must talk and live out the expected expected, uh, culture that you are trying to create within the people of your church. You are wanting the vision to be part of the DNA of the body of Christ in your local context. And number seven, build a system to monitor church health, creating a way and a standard for measuring the progress and the success of the strategy. Eight, break down everything that needs action to accomplish the future vision. Prioritize three action steps you need to make over the next three months. In this part of the process, develop a regular 90-day action plan cycle of following through so that you begin creating greater accountability for action. This helps you to teach your people how to execute on quarterly cycles keeping the momentum going in the right direction and promptly. And number nine, finding a coach or a mentor that has been through the process can help as you lead your change. Your plans will likely involve the need to lead your congregation through some significant changes throughout the process. Coaching your leaders and sharing best practices as you begin implementing your plan will greatly improve the likelihood of success. God intends for you, he gives you a vision, he gives you a mission, and he wants you to have a plan for how to carry it out and to how to put that that plan into action. God is is has a plan for your church, and your church, if you take these steps and take this careful planning and take the time to uh, look at and have steps for where your church needs to be, where your church needs to go, and who your church needs to reach. And you will have a greater uh, chance of success because you have God on your side and you have his vision uh, with your plan. 
So I want to encourage you today uh, to look at uh, where your church is going. And if you feel like that your church has been uh, trying to put things together without instructions and without any kind of uh, guidance, um, then I suggest that you would take these steps that uh, I have been talking about today and implement them and you will see more success, more progress, more forward movement for your church in the kingdom and in the kingdom of God. You can go and send us a message on our email address at rural.revitalization.ky at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page, Rural Revitalization Network. And also you can go to our website and look at podcasts, uh, read articles, uh, see other things that we can um, uh, give you some resources for at rural-revitalization.network.